2019, we've seen miracles happen. We've seen marriages restored. When I, when I rewound the tape, I thought about all the times that, that I've heard stories of God healing people's marriage. Cheryl and I were involved in it. God used us to heal people's marriages. I, I was reminded of the time sitting in my office, my wife and I with another couple. It happened multiple times where tears were there. Forgiveness was given, restoration happened, and you could almost see it happening right in front of you in a, very, in a very tangible way. And then to see those people, those couples, even throughout the year, just grow closer and closer. It's just been a miracle. You see, the miracle happens initially, but if you, if you pay attention to it, it'll continue to, to manifest in front of you, kind of like develop in front of you, if you know what I'm saying. Like, like just because God restores you in a moment doesn't mean that you're fully restored. You're going to have to walk some things out, right? And as you walk those things out, do you know that miracles are still happening? And so as a pastor who watches his sheep and he sees miracles continuing to happen in one couple as God's restoring them, you just sit back in awe sometimes, just go, dang, God, that's good. You are so good. We've seen people have financial miracles. I heard about the men's life group. There was two guys that were unemployed this, this last semester, and they prayed for those guys to find jobs. And before the semester was over with, each of those guys had a job. Miracles happen. Health was restored. Relational issues were turned around. I want to share a couple of stories. I've been after you for a couple months to share your story on our OSC app. And here's a couple of stories that I I just grabbed last night. And I just want to share them with you quickly. Uh, Patricia shared a story of her son needing braces. How many of you know sometimes kids get expensive? But I think at the end it's still worth it. (laughs) <laughs> but they get expensive, and she had she went. She brought her son to the dentist, and the the, the dentist said he's going to need braces. And she's like, "Oh man!" And then he gives the price for it. It's over five thousand dollars for a set of braces. Say, "Ouch!" For anybody, that's ouch. And Patricia was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And they offered her some financing. They offered her to put some money down. And she's like, "I don't even have that." And and she's walking out of the office, and she sees a little box with a sign that says, uh, Can Good uh, Offer a Giveaway, and, and, and it, was, it was like a raffle, a Can Good raffle. So if you brought canned goods and, and donated it there that was going to go to a certain organization, you would get your name put in a drawing uh, for a free set of braces. So she, she was real honest in her story, and she said, I, I just didn't do it. Like, I just walked past it, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to do this myself. We're going we're gonna to come up with the money to do this. How many of you have ever been there before? And so a couple of days goes by, and she, she remembers, or she sees something on Facebook that reminds her of the canned good thing. And she goes back, she runs to the store, buys a bunch of canned good, and she's like, Lord, if this is you, I just pray that you'll show up. She bought a bunch of canned goods. She goes in, and you can only put one family member per canned good or something like that. So she put all of her family members on there, and, and she texts them all and said, hey, listen, if you win a set of free braces, that's mine. <laughs> you know how you got to be with family, right? And so, and so she did that, and then a couple of days later, one of her sisters texted her and said, hey, girl, I won the braces. Your boy gets a free set of braces. Come on, somebody. That's $5,000. You ain't excited about that? And she was like, in that moment, I realized how much God loves me, how much he cares for me. You're going to hear something in the two stories 
that I share with you that, I'll, that I'm going to speak on for just a second. Jasma is the second person who shared her story. And she said for 10 years she had been praying uh, to marry the right man. She'd been praying for a teaching job. Uh, but she had to pass this special test. I think it's called a praxis test. And, and she, she was scared. She was intimidated to even go take the test. And then she was believing God to own her own home one day. So for 10 years, she'd been praying this. And here recently, this year, she just decided, God, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. Whether you answer my prayers or not, I still love you. I trust you. And as soon as she prayed that prayer, in a period of two months, she was married. Now, she had been dating somebody for a while, so I don't think it's just like one of this, you know, love boat things. Okay, just some of you are like. She was married. She started taking the praxis test. She's passed the first two so far. She's got one more to go, and she's trusting God to do that. And she's working on owning her own home right now. Isn't that good? She prayed for 10, but in a, merit, in a matter of two months, God moved. You see, it doesn't matter how long you pray. It just matters that God answers, right? It just matters that you hang on sometimes, and you just hold on to a promise. You hold on to something that God gives you. You hold on to hope, right? I mean, come on, 10 years, that's a long time to be praying for something. And God worked it out in a matter of two months, the two things, the, the one thing in these two stories that I want you to see that, that stuck out to me the most as I was reading the, the stories, and trust me, these stories are a lot longer than, than I even shared with you. They're great stories. Was this, this one thing. God didn't move until the person decided to step out the way. God didn't move until the person said, God, no matter what, I love you. God didn't move until the person said, you know what, God, I'm just going to stick this, these canned goods in this box, and I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm not even going to try to make it happen on my own. I'm, I'm just. And then God moved. You see, I think sometimes God's waiting for us to get out of the way. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get out of the way. <clears throat> and you can look back at them and say, yeah, you too. I'm reminded of the story of, of Angelique. Angelique's a single mom here at the church, and she, she went to her doctor for a regular mastectomy, not a mastectomy, mammogram, sorry. Please forgive a brother for these terms, okay? They don't make them man-friendly, okay? I mean, we can, we, can, we can, like, make that a lot simpler, but that's okay. She went in for a mammogram, and they spotted something and said that she had to go in to a specialist, that something was there, it didn't look good. And she was going in for a biopsy. And we started praying. Life groups were praying. The church was praying. Lisa brought her to the doctor's office that morning to do her test. They bring her in and they decide to do another, was it an ultrasound? To see, you know, where it was and this and that. They could not even find anything. Come on. That's good stuff. Right? And that's just a few. I'm reminded of the incredible baptisms we had this year. You know, this last baptism we had, how many of you remember how incredible that was? We had the guy come from Texas to get baptized here. We had, we had a 70-something-year-old man stand up, and we had to help him get in. The 70-year-olds don't get baptized anymore. Do you realize that? 
It's like it's almost too late for them. God moved in a 72-year-old. And then a baptism before that, how many kids we had. Every baptism has been special. And God's done some incredible things. Can we give him a better hand clap for that? Come on. And that's just a few. Just a few stories. So over the last 20 years, as a church with three locations, we've had this single vision. And the vision has been to reach people and build lives. That's why we built a church in Jennings. That's why we planted a church in Eunice. That's why we planted another church in Crowley. It's because God's given us this vision to reach people who are far from God and then to build their lives. When we read the scriptures, we understand that God wants us to reach the lost, but then he also wants us to disciple them. It's one thing to reach them. It's another thing to disciple them, right? And so our vision for 20 years now has been the same thing, to reach people and build lives. You'll see it on our walls. You'll hear it in our language. We believe that this is what God wants us to do. And we believe that God has a spiritual journey for every one of you. And our job is to help you take the steps in that journey that you need to take. I want to show you where we got this vision from and what the Apostle Paul says, how he prays for the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 1, verse 16 to 19. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. And it's going to be the running verses through this message this morning. Paul said this, he said, I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Now, in my quiet time, I probably would have stopped at intelligent and discerning. I'd be like, Lord, I need some intelligence and I need some discernment. But listen to how Paul says it. Jesus Christ to make you intelligent and discerning, not in a generic way, but in knowing him, how? Personally. So when you have a vision, as a church, as an organization, or even as a family, you have to have a way to execute that vision. You have to have a way to make it happen. You, you can be a businessman with an incredible vision, but you, you somewhere along the way are going to have to learn how to execute that and make that happen, right? So this is how we do that. There's four steps that we want every one of us to take. And the first step is, number one, to know God. We want every person that would, that would walk into these doors to know God. That's why we have worship moments like this morning where the presence of God is incredible. You know why that's so important? That's not just important for you to get the little fuzzy feeling inside of you. That's important because you need to know when God's presence is in a place. You need to know when you're in close proximity to God. You need to know what it feels like to be in his presence. That, you, that love that you feel, that care that you feel when you're in his presence. Amen? Because then you need to discern that, that when you're not in his presence. Right? And you don't have the warm fuzzies, you have the heebie-jeebies. Come on, somebody. I've been to a few places. You walk in and say, whoa, start praying in tongues or something. But we want every person to know God, but we want want them to know him personally. You see, there's a big difference when you say know God and know him personally. A lot of people know about God, but not everybody knows God personally. To know God personally, you have to be intentional. You have to do things on purpose with a purpose. Amen? You you need to like read your Bible and then stay there long enough for your Bible to read you. 
Come on. You need to walk out what the Bible says. That's how you get to know God. Is as you walk out what it says and you're obedient to what the scriptures say. You start to learn that, hey, his words are true. God never lies. His words work. He's bigger than I thought. 64% of Americans claim to believe in God. But not all 64% of them know God. What does it mean to know God? Adam knew Eve in, in Genesis 4.1. The Bible says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. To know in the Greek is, is gnosko, which means to be intimate with, to understand, or to become known by. You see, the kind of relationship that God wants us to have when we know him is the kind of relationship that when we get intimate with God, things start to birth in our lives. Like things start to change. Attitudes start to get exposed. And we say, oh God, I don't want that in me anymore. Belief systems that aren't healthy start to get exposed. And God says, no, I want to birth something new in you. I want you to have a good attitude. I want you to have the mind of Christ. I don't want you walking around with your, with your family mind. I want you to walk around with the mind of Christ. When you get intimate with God, something always comes alive. To know him. To know his voice. Jesus talks very clearly about knowing his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. And if it's not my voice, they recognize that it's not my voice. That's how well we need to know God. We need to know when he speaks to us. Because he speaks to us. He has spoken and he still speaks. Amen? In 1 John 4.16, John says this, And we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. What was John saying? We know him because we know how much he loves us. And if you think you know how much he loves you, you have a rude awakening coming. You don't know squat because his love is bigger than we can even imagine or hope or even think. But the more you get to know how much he loves you, the more you get to know God and how much he cares about you. Does that make sense? One of the greatest revelations I had a couple years ago was that God cares about me before he ever cares about what I do. I used to live my life thinking that God cares so much about what I do that the only way he'll take care of me is when I do what he wants me to do. He said, no, son, you got that backwards. I care for you no matter what you do, but because I care for you that way, what I want you to do, you're going to do it naturally because I care for you that much. It's like he's saying, I'm going to take so good care of you that what's going to come out of you is anything that I ask. Come on, think about it. If your kids woke up in the morning, cleaned their room, cleaned the kitchen, took the garbage to the road, and you never asked them anything, what would you do? You, yeah, after you wake up, what would you do? You would grab your checkbook, say, where y'all want to go, how much you want to spend, right? Faint. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. You see, the goal for us at our Savior's Church is that, is that we not just pack out a church on Sunday 
but that we know God on Monday. Packing out a church is, is great. Listen, it feels good. These, these Christmas services were incredible. We broke all kinds of records. It was crazy. We're pulling out chairs like crazy. And it's fun and it's exciting. Ah! But what happens the next day? What happens on Monday? That's what's important to us. Why is this so important? I think this is something we all need to really realize today. Heaven and hell are real places. And we'll all, we'll, we will all live somewhere forever. Heaven and hell are real. They're not fictional. They're not just made up. They are real. And everyone will spend eternity in one or the other. You know, the goal every Sunday is to see how many hands we can get to raise. You know that? I don't know if you knew that or not, but the goal for Sundays is to create an an environment where God's presence would come and he'd begin to open up people's hearts and they would experience him like never before and then to bring a message that gives hope with an opportunity at the end of it to know God and to make a decision to know him personally. And our goal, we count, listen to me, we count. We count attendance, we count giving, we count hands raised. And the number we get excited about is how many hands got raised. The hands that say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. That's what's important to us. In 2019 as a whole, we have over 1,210 people in weekly attendances between the three campuses. In 2019, 107 people got water baptized. 1,570 hands were raised in 2019 between the three campuses. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for that? 107 people baptized. That's the next step. Every hand is important and it represents a person. So what's your next step? Maybe this year you need to prioritize time with Jesus personally and then corporately. What if you took the next day or even this afternoon, it won't take but 10, 15 minutes to grab your calendar because I know everybody's got a calendar for 2020. You grab your calendar and on your calendar every Sunday you put church, 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 church and that's the first thing you put on your calendar and then when anything say anything when anything tries to come against that you go nope already got it on the calendar it don't fit what would happen you know who grows the most in a church are the people who are the most faithful in a church And it's not just because you came to church. It's because you came together with other people and God showed up in a special way and you experience his presence and God speaks to us corporately. Do you know the messages we preach are for us corporately? For us to move as a church? For us to be encouraged to go and take this region for Jesus? That's what these messages are for. That's what these Sundays are for. Messages where where the Holy Spirit will tell me to to preach a certain thing because that's what the people are struggling with. Preach freedom, son. Encourage them. Give them hope this morning. 
Yet some people decide to let something else get in the way and they stay in bed or they go to something else and they miss the word that God has for them. And it's not that my preaching is that good. It's that God's words are that good. Amen? What if you made it a priority? What if you joined us for 21 days of prayer and fasting? Starting January the 13th all the way to February the 2nd. What if you took these 21 days and you said, you know what, I'm going after it like never before. I'm going to set up, I'm going to make a plan now. For 21 days, I'm going to push things aside just to be in God's presence and hear him clearly. The second thing we do here at our Savior's Church is to find freedom. The second step we want people to take is to find freedom. Ephesians verse 16 to 19 says this, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused, watch this, and clear. How many of you know life not, life's not clear and you can't focus when you got too much of your past coming back up? How many of you would agree that your past can get in the way? It happens all the time. We, we send a lot of people to counseling. We do a lot of counseling. In most of the churches in our region, we probably counsel way more people than anybody else does. We have life groups designed to help you to start dealing with your yesterdays. Just to start. Why? Because people's past is getting in the way of their future because their eyes aren't clear and they can't focus. We want you to find freedom from your yesterdays. And it happens over time. I wish I could tell you it was a once and done, but it's not. God's still working on me. And I've been at this for over 20-something years. He's still working on me. I think, Lord, when are you going to be done? He says, when I'm done. <laughs> God helps to bring clarity in the areas of your life that were once blurry. Proverbs 4.23 says this, to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Where do the issues come from? You ever wonder that? Where's all these issues coming from? They come from the heart. That's why the Bible says to guard it, to watch over it diligently, because out of it springs the issues of life. We all have issues, and if you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. <laughs> Did you know you can get saved and still have issues? <laughs> they come from our heart. So how do we deal with these issues? Let me give you one way. James 5.16 says this is a good way to deal with some issues. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Say what? You want me to tell somebody else my sin? You tripping. The Bible says to confess your sins one to another and then pray for one another. Why? So that you can receive what? Healing. We confess our sins to Jesus so that he can heal us. I mean, so that he can forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John. But we confess our sins to others so that they can pray for us and we can receive healing. You see, God could do it all himself, but God chooses to use us with one another. Yeah, I know, it's hard. That's a, that's a scary verse. I'll, I'll confess it. And you've got to be wise about that. 
But you don't receive all that just coming to church on Sunday. You receive that in the context of life groups. How do you find people that you can trust? How do you find people that you can confess your sins to? You find them in the context of a life group. That's why we want people in life groups. Why? So that they can connect. The body of Christ needs to be connected. If the hand's not connected to the arm, it's useless. Amen? God wants us to connect. Life change happens where there is life exchange. In 2019, we had 137 life groups with 1,526 people in groups. We had 345 people complete freedom. Isn't that good? And we've got more plans for 2020. Come on. That's awesome. Can we give God a big hand for that? So what is your next step? Get in a life group. We're going to be launching life groups in the spring in, around February the 9th. We want you to take three. There's three most, most important life groups that we want you to be involved in. Freedom is one of them. We want you to get into a financial life group because all of us need some financial freedom. And then we want you to get into a, a foundations life group. Freedom, finances, and foundation. Three, three of the most important life groups you need to be in. Amen? Number three, we want you to discover your purpose. Back to Ephesians, he says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do, your purpose. Two greatest days of your life is the day you were born and the day you realize why. Amen? The day you discover why I was born is a great day. And if you haven't discovered that, trust me, it's a great day when you have a moment with God and he helps you realize what you were born for. Because every one of us has a purpose. We have a purpose. Romans 12, 6, 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God gives us all grace gifts. Every one of us has a gift. Nobody's exempt. So look at me. Everybody in this room has a gift, a grace gift. It's a spiritual gift that God's given you. And the world needs your gift. The body of Christ needs your gift. How long are you going to hoard your gift? How long are you going to hold back from discovering your gift? Because there's people hurting because you won't use your gift. There's people missing out because you're not letting go of your gift or you're not pursuing discovering your gift. Every person was designed with a gift. Can you get that this morning? Every single one of us has a spiritual gift that God wants to use. Our responsibility is to discover it, develop it, and use it. It's like this. It's like when you discover your gift and you start to use it, you start to get these thoughts. Man, I think I was made for this. Man, this is incredible. You see what's crazy about when you discover your gift and develop it and then use it is that you start to find fulfillment like you could never find before. Because until the point where you discover what your purpose is, you're just trying to fill a void in your life by doing things, buying things, possessing things, being a certain thing, and you never fill this void in your life until you discover your purpose. 
And when you discover your purpose and you start to see God use that purpose to reach other people, there is nothing. Listen to me. I've done drugs. I've drank till I can't drink anymore. Nothing compares to being used by God. Nothing. Nothing compares. And if you're still breathing, you still got a gift. Amen? First Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. In 2019, we had 215 people go through Next Step. Over 24 of those people came through Next Step right here in Eunice. What is Next Step? Next Step is, a, is just a, 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 two meet, a two-time meeting that, we, that we've set up so that you can, number one, know who we are, but then that you can begin to take these four steps. We want to make sure that you know God. We want to set you up and help you understand how you can find freedom. Then in that in next step, we're going to try to help you discover your gift and your purpose. Because we believe it's so important for you to discover what your gift is. We're going to get you to take a personality test, a spiritual gifts test. We'll, at the end of it all, we'll help do an assessment with you just to do the best we can to get you to start using your spiritual gift. And then we're going to invite you to join the dream team. That's the team that serves on Sundays. Why? So that you can start to develop your gift. Because this is the safest place to develop your gift. And once you develop it here, then you take it out into the world and you begin to use it there. Does that make sense? That's what next step is all about. And maybe that's your next step. (laughs) Next step happens the first two Sundays of every month. So next Sunday, you can join next step. And in next step, discover what your purpose is. So you don't need to wonder anymore. Amen? And then number four, we want you to start making a difference. And man, let me tell you something. Every one of these steps is important. But I believe as, as the steps go, life just gets more exciting and more exciting and more exciting to make a difference. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. This is where the greatest living is, is when we start to make a difference in other people's lives. The greatest thing, one of the greatest things Pastor Bubba did for me was to let me take a group of men to, back in the day we called them um, encounter retreats, but today we call them freedom, freedom weekends. I took a group of men to an encounter retreat. And one of the guys at the encounter retreat at the first night got overwhelmed with conviction. And he pulled me aside after the meeting that night. And I wasn't a pastor in those days. I was a businessman. And he confessed to me that he had done something very horrible. Like there was going to be legal ramifications for what he did. And the best thing Pastor Bubba did for me was to let me walk that out with that guy. And I encouraged him. I didn't judge him. I walked with him. I met with him and his wife the next day. Then I walked him down to the police department where he turned himself in. 
and he spent almost 13 years in prison. That was an experience that God used me in that changed my life forever. Because I didn't judge him, because I walked side by side with him, knowing that he made one of the greatest failures you can make. And yet I didn't judge him, and I just walked with him and prayed for him and encouraged him. When he came out 13 years later, he and I have a bond like never before. And he says to me, and his, his mama says to me constantly, thank you so much for walking with my son through that. You know what that does for me? That, that breaks all the lies of the enemy off of me. I'm not a couillon. Right? I'm not a dummy. I'm not useless. God can use me. I'm not a scab. I'm not a barnacle. God can use even me. You know it's important for me to know that? Why is it important for me to know that? So that I can believe God to use me again and again and again so that I can become his representation on the planet. Amen? And then start to make a difference in the lives of people around me. But man, there's days, let me tell you something, there's days when you just kind of wonder, God, am I useful? Like, God, I need more help than anybody else does. And he goes, I know, but I'm working on you too. But I can work on you and make a difference with you at the same time. Did you hear that? I don't have to graduate the school and get a certificate for God to use me. I just got to have an open heart and a willingness to be used by him. Joy doesn't come from going to the beach. That's just fun. Joy doesn't come watching LSU beat the fool out of somebody last night. That's just fun. Real joy doesn't come from having a successful career or getting the thing that you've been wanting. Real joy comes from giving your life away and making the difference in other people's lives for God's glory. And the dream team is where we give people an opportunity to use and develop their gifts and make a difference. In 2019, we have over 383 people on the dream team. We've done several things in 2019. Several outreaches where people came in and they just joined forces. We did a veteran supper for over for 14 veterans just in this campus. Where we had a moment to cook supper for them and just appreciate them and then listen to them for a couple hours. It was incredible. We were able to bless single moms and widows. We were we did a teacher luncheon. That started, that, that started when school started. The day that school, the, the teachers came in, we cooked for every teacher in Eunice and delivered plate lunches. And I still hear things today. Man, them plate lunches were good. Awesome. Y'all going to do that again? <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> we did a backpack drive, and we gave over 200 book bags filled with supplies away to the schools in Church Point, Mamu, Basile, Iota, Richard, and Eunice. And that's because people decided to show up. People, watch this, that's because people decided to give. We can do that when people give. When people give their tithe, we can do that. That frees us up to do that. But people went beyond that, and they gave their time and their effort and their energy. And we had other people. I didn't go deliver the bags. I didn't need to be the man that was on the front. I was like, y'all go. 
So what's your next step? Maybe you just need to join the dream team. Because some of you have been through next step, but you haven't taken your next step after next step. You have not joined the dream team. Why don't you join the dream team? What if that's your next step? Because let me show you some quick numbers real quick. The average attendance for this year between the three campuses was 1,250, right? How many people are on the dream team? I just gave you the number. 383. 383 on the dream team, Twelve over 1,200 in the church. You see the problem? I'll say what it is. You see the problem? Yeah. That means a whole lot of people are missing out. Over 900 people are missing out on the opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life. And it's not that we're trying to get something from you. We're trying to get something for you. Amen? Everybody's in a different place on their journey, and that's okay. And we're fine with that. So what is our prayer for you in 2020? You want to hear it? It's really complicated. It's really, really complicated. You want to know what our prayer is? That you'll take a step. One step. And I want you to begin to pray, God, what, what one step do you want me to take this year? Some of you may take that step in January. Some of you may not take that step till May. And listen, we're okay with that. What one step does God want you to take?